This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Meet Allison, teammate at Truist Bank. Hi. She was born to care and she always had your back. You could say that. Like that time back in the mid 80s when she spotted Stacy Kaminsky with her new perm and a car was coming, about to hit a puddle. So Allison jumps in front of the splash, just in time to protect Stacy's fresh curls. Look, I had to do it. A wet perm just doesn't work. Today, Allison's a teammate at Truist, the bank that starts with care. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Learn more at truist.com care. Truist Bank, member FDIC. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's loss to Hull City on Saturday. This was an embarrassing loss, and we're going to look back at it. We're also going to be discussing Scott Parker. As you can imagine, it's a big topic amongst Fulham supporters, and we're going to be talking about him along with talking about the match. So we have a lot to get to, but before we do anything, I have to bring Max on. And, Max, let's just not waste any more time. It's been a few days. We're recording this on a Tuesday. I'm actually glad that we waited a few more days because I've calmed down a little bit, but I'm still very upset. Just give me your opening thoughts on what we watched Saturday. That was a complete debacle. It was the worst result of the season. And it made a lot of people wonder what our expectations are this year and whether we're the team everyone thought we'd be back in August, right? This is a team we all agreed perhaps the best team in the division. Uh, in terms of the players we have, a team that I haven't expected to be top two. And that was the expectations, not only from fans, but from Scott Parker himself, from the cons. This squad was assembled to get right back in the Premier League automatically. No playoffs required. And luckily for us, it's been a poor year in the championship, and we're still within touching distance of that goal. But we can all agree the level of play we've seen this season has been nowhere near good enough. And it all manifested itself 
in that 3-0 loss. And the fact of the matter is, for a team that should be in the top two, for a team that has the quality that we have, to lose 3-0 at home, I don't care what opposition we're playing, let alone Hull City, who not even in, in the top eight, you know? Not a great team. To lose 3-0 no. at home and to be so utterly humbled by them was a massive rally check, I think, for everyone. And I'm just looking for a response because that was disgraceful. And, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily isolated because we just had that 2-0 loss to Stoke City away. And we saw how poor they were. So it, it's been a rough couple of weeks for us. The team's not up to scratch. A lot of people are calling for Parker's head. I, I know I'm not against I'm, – I'm not, I'm not for that. I think there's Neither no need to sack him now. I, I, I assume he would be because – I think we're pretty rational, but questions have to be asked and things yeah. must improve. That, that's, that's clear. Right. And we're going to talk about Scott Parker and his future. And again, I'm glad that we've already both have said this. We don't think he should be sacked. It's way too early. And I have my reasons. I said it on full time and I'm glad that you feel that way as well. But I think we should have the conversation of why possibly fans are feeling this way. And I think a good way to do that is to start by talking about what he said after the match because I find these comments interesting and revealing. We're going to do these in two parts there, my friend. And let's start here. I'm going to read the comments from Scott Parker because I think they tell us about his mindset, what he's thinking about, and uh, and we can really get into this. So this is what Scott Parker said after the um, loss, the 3-0 loss to Hull City. Here it is. First, This is the first part we're going to talk about. Quote, this is the first time this season where I sit here disappointed. Obviously, with the way the game went and the way things panned out, there's not much I can say. We were not where we needed to be today. We've had defeats at home this year, but today I felt we were flat. We were playing against arguably the best counterattacking team in the division, and the players up front for them exploited that. Certainly, for their first goal. Go down a goal, down in this division, it proves difficult, and today, that's what happened. We've come off a positive result at Middlesbrough, albeit a draw where I was really pleased with the team's desire and attitude. A game of football is always difficult when you go down early on. We are disappointed with the way the goal went in. They exploited how flat we were. Ultimately, what will determine how successful I am personally and how successful this team is will be moments like this. A cliche as it is, we have to bounce back and go again next week, unquote. Okay, so that's the first quote that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Max. I'm just going to share this with you, my thoughts on this, because when I read this, and he's talking about the team being flat, I'm just thinking to myself, well, why, why were they flat? Because I'm just saying, were they flat? Did they just come out flat or were they not prepared? And I'm just going to say that because Scott comes out in here and knows that this is probably the best counterattacking team. I'm sorry, my friend. They did not look prepared to play against this team. They had a game plan. I'm talking about Hull City executed to perfection. Fulham did not look like they were prepared to handle it. And again, he mentions that he knows the type of team that they are, but he's he's making about the, the players being flat. I'm questioning, is it, is it more than that? What are your thoughts? What surprised me was the fact that he said this was the first match he was truly disappointed. 
We've had a lot okay. of bad matches. Not a lot, but we had a bunch of bad matches recently this season. Most, you know, recently the, the Stoke loss. So for him to say this is the only one who's been disappointed, that's also a little bit shocking for me because that indicates to me, Russ, that this is almost new for him. That he sees this as something that's happened recently, but as we all know, this isn't recent. We struggled with no. attacking build-up play for, for really the whole season, honestly. We, we saw it click. I always go back to that one match against uh, Millwall at home. That's the only team who let us roll over them, essentially, right? Right. And apart from that, when we face teams who set up solidly, who say, listen, come out, attack us, show us what you have, Hull City was certainly that team, very disciplined, very well organized in defense. All we can do is, is lump in hope, hopeful crosses. That was our game plan, and it was pathetic because it didn't work. And no. it was so clear it wouldn't work, and there's nothing up the middle. And that's a shock. This isn't the Fulham team of old, you know, under Slavisa that would slice teams open with nice little passing interplay. We don't play quick anymore. We rarely play quick. And when we do play... It's just ho- play out wide, swinging across, hope Mitro gets on the end of it, try to test the keeper. And credit to the whole keeper because he realized that. Came yeah. out early, got gathered so many poor crosses. The delivery was poor. There's no one in the box. And we looked without a game plan. As you mentioned that, whole city, very clear what their plan was. Yes. Soak up pressure, just in the break. Our game plan, couldn't even tell you. And, and the stat, and we'll talk about this later, but the stat I want to bring up early because it really shows you the story. We had 40 crosses and whole city had eight. I think we only had one shot on target the entire match. That's one. And they had Just three one. goals. So yep. it's remarkable. And we had three times the amount of possession they had. We had 75%, they had 25%. Yep. Unbelievable. And that shows to me, you know, it, it's the players as well, because I'm going to blame Parker a lot, because I think sure. there's no game plan. But, Russ, the players, a lot of them are not playing up to their potential. Oh, and I don't totally know how much of an Andrew can do. Absolutely. Think about it. The quality out there, they, not, no one was, was up to par on Saturday. And, and that's going to take some real fixing, because – what can you do about that? Is that a change in man or is that a change in style? I'm not sure, but again, very worrying. Okay. And as he was talking about them being flat, that goes to the players. And I understand that, and they deserve their responsibility in all this. But you win, you lose, and you draw as a team. I still are not hearing his words of putting any impetus, any blame on himself there, Max. And I think that's the part that's, again, just um, I'm mystified by because. Why is he not taking any personal responsibility for this? Well, God, Again, he, right, I think the, the, ne- the next thing we'll probably read is him saying the style works. It's going to be a very vigorous I was just about to get the there. Style. Yeah, because <laughs> I was that, just that's, about that, to get that, there. You, that's the quote that jumped you, out to me. You're jumping ahead. You're <laughs> jumping ahead because, again, that's the worrying part of all this. I'm going to give this a term, and I, I, I want to know how you feel about this because when I look at the way our style of play, we'll call it our style of play. I'm going to call it the road to nowhere. Because that's what it is. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't lead to anything. Under Savisi, you knew how things were going to lead. You knew that it was going to be that that quick passing, and eventually it would open up a team. This? I don't know what this is. This, to me, is the road to nowhere. We're just either passing it sideways, trying to get it wide, and it's just not going anywhere. And then it comes back to the middle, and they again, there does not seem to be any style defined of how they want to open a team up. And again, to Hull City's credit, they put everyone behind the ball, Max. They didn't press us. They were going to wait till we made a mistake, and they were going to pounce. So again, I'm asking the question. Scott Parker sounds like he knew this was coming, so he's putting it on the players. Okay, I understand that. How about putting it on yourself as well? That's all I'm saying. 
where are you in all of this? I don't see him in any of this. And that's going to lead to these other quotes, Max. These quotes are the ones that I really want your thoughts on because I've given this a lot of thought after I read them and thinking, okay, here's someone that sounds like he's basically set in how he wants things to go, okay? So I'm going to read this. This is from the head coach presser that's on the phone website, and I'm just going to read what it says before the quotes. When asked about his style of play and philosophy in his post-match press conference, the head coach was quick to point out that the possession leads to opportunities on goal. And here are the quotes from Scott Parker. Quote, I hear a lot that this team is a possession-based team, that we lack an impetus. We are top in the division in shots on goal, shots on target. We are obviously doing something right. We're getting the ball into the right areas. No other team in this league is hitting the target more than us. I hear people saying our possession game is slow. I would understand people's opinions regarding how I want to play and also the identity of how this team wants to play if we weren't creating chances and hitting the target. From the first week, people have been pointing fingers regarding this element of our game. Yes, we have a lot of position, and I feel like we carry on like that things will turn for us. This is the team I want us to be. We lost the game today, fair and square. We weren't anywhere near the level we needed to be, and that's it. So he's, again, it sounds like to me, he's putting it on the players, which I understand, and saying that they're not at their level, Max. I get that. But I have to question the style of play. And it doesn't sound like he's questioning at all. He believes in it, and this is how it's going to be. What are your thoughts of those quotes I just shared? Well, there's a huge dissonance between what he's saying and what happened in the match, right? He says, listen, I understand if people want to, you know, criticize our style of play, but it gets us results. It gets us shots on target. However, Russ, he's speaking after a match in which we had 75% possession, 40 crosses, and just one shot on target in the entire 90 minutes. So I, he can't make this argument right now. He can, sure, he can say it for the whole season, but we're asking him about this one performance. And to use the argument that, oh, we get shots on target, it's going to totally fall on deaf ears because this entire match, everyone's seen it for themselves. We failed to produce shots on target. So he's using this, this big example of the overall season. But we're talking about this match, and it was a complete failure in this match. Um, it's worrying again. And he said the players aren't, aren't at the level. Great analysis, but again, why not? You know, it's November the 5th now. We're not early on in the season. And I know Fulham teams under Slavisa, of course, didn't play well until January, essentially, right? So we know we go on these runs late, but it shouldn't be that way. This team is very expensively assembled. We're trying to bounce right back up. This is a different scenario. We should be hitting full flow right now. And if we're not doing that in training, if we're not preparing ourselves for these type of high-level championship matches, where we need to play quick, we need to get shots, we need to dominate teams, and not just dominate possession, I don't know what we're doing in training. Right. It's, you know, again, it's just... uh... I don't know what to make of all this, my friend. It just, it's actually really something that I'm glad that we're talking about that we're, we're really focusing on because um, when we talk about Scott Parker, Max, and we talk about the players and exactly what's going on here, is there a disconnect, my friend? Do you think that maybe his message isn't getting across? Is it more about the players or, or is it a combination of both? It's tough to say because. 
the players, I think, genuinely should buy into what he's saying. He's he's not a Ranieri type figure who came in and, and was distrusted from the start. He's one of them. I, I think a lot of players still see him as a recent pro, and yep. that carries with it a, a different mentality. So I think for some people might say, oh, he's not going to lose a dressing room, and I agree with that. I think he has a respect to the players in that respect. But for whatever reason, I don't think his tactics are, are necessarily clicking right now. And again, I mean, I, we mentioned this a couple months ago on, on the full-time show. You had, you had a couple of guests on who said the wingers yep. are so key to how we play, and we have the wrong types of wingers for this possession style play. We have players like Cavallaro, Knockart, Bobby, Decorative, Reed. They're counterattacking wingers. They run up players. They're not people who necessarily do this patient, plotting, build-up play. Right. That's not their strength. And we saw that with Knockart when he came on right. on the weekend. Couldn't put him across to save his life. He's better when he's running at people on the break. So maybe you don't have the right players to the system. Maybe the system's not working, but no real easy answers right now. Right. Um, but and, I just want to say a caveat really quickly. Yeah. You know, it seems bad. It's We're coming off the worst result of the season. No questions about that. We're only essentially five points off top. We're only absolutely not. We're in this and it's fixable and the season's not over. So I think no one should overreact right now. We're in a bad spot, but these things can change quickly. I think we get a lot of confidence, get a couple wins on the bounce. It's a totally different story. So I don't want to make too big of a proclamation right now about the tactics being, you know, irreversibly messed up. Okay. And listen, I completely understand that. And we talked about this, uh, me and Emilio, because Emilio looks at what happened with Frank Lampard and the Derby County supporters were, you know, after him early on and that he needs a chance to learn. He needs a, he needed a chance to grow as a manager. Same thing with Scott. But here's my issue. I read those quotes to you. Does he sound like someone that's going to adapt? Does he sound like someone that's going to change up? even a little bit of what he's doing, it doesn't. And that's what concerns me because he's not getting the most out of these players, Max. And like you just said, maybe he doesn't have the players to play the style. So what do you do? Then maybe you have to change the style a little bit to fit the players you have. And and I think that's the part that is concerning me. It sounds like he's dug in. This is how it is. It's my way or the highway. I get that, okay? Even Slavisa had to change things up. And I think some of the best managers are willing to change, to not be afraid to change. I think that he is just hell-bent to his style of play and that it's going to continue. And that's what worries me, Max. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I do, I do. And hopefully he won't be as stubborn as Slavisa because although he did change, he was a stubborn guy and, and, and didn't like to admit he was wrong. And I think Parker knows the issue in a way because we all saw on Saturday he was screaming at the players, "Yeah, play quicker!" It was clear he want he knew what had to happen. You know, we have to right. play quicker. We have to get the ball moving. We have to shift them around and get them out of position. That's the way. That's how possession football works, right? You make sure. the opposition chase. You pass around so much that people get dragged out, and you exploit the spaces. When we play, it's easy for them because they can just run, shift their shape, but no one's really getting, getting dragged out of position. Because the pace of this buildup is so slow. And Parker was really urging his team on. Again, he didn't see a massive change. I mean, a bit at the start of the second half, we had a good period of pressure where I think it might have changed. Very unfortunately, we give up a goal right as we're starting to put some pressure on. So on a different day, it's a different story. But again, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic because I think Parker realizes we can't play slow. And we must play quicker. So at least I think he understands the root cause. And I, and I don't think we want to ditch possession football entirely. But we have to know when to speed it up and when being slow isn't just going to cut it. 
Okay. All right. Excellent there, Max. All right. Good stuff. All right. Let's now focus on the actual match itself. Before we do that, let's talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Your thoughts? I think, you know, Benelli back in. So that was expected, right? We're not going to start a youth team keeper in his place. Still no Steven Sessegnon. Um, interesting. We haven't seen him in ages. And, you know, we have Harry Reid um, playing in, in that midfield position. And also Bobby Decker-Dovereed gets a start. So knock her on the bench again. So it wasn't really a massive change. I think everyone was really the same, except, you know, no Rodak. Uh, and then another thing I, w- I want to talk about is that, you know, Brian, of course, going injured, you only have – you don't have many fullbacks on the bench. You have Christy, Lamarchand, I think, is a center back, and then Cessino, but we don't have any really out-and-out left backs. That's one position I think everyone's going to talk about. <clears throat> we need to strengthen because we look really weak there right now. Okay. All right. Excellent there, my friend. All right. Let's uh, break down this match. Let's get into it. Let's start with the first half. I think this is very significant, what we're about to talk about. The injury to Joe Bryan. I want to get your thoughts on that because I think that changed the match. I, I think they really missed him in this match. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was a massive, massive loss. Uh, he has been criticized in recent weeks for not being the best defensively. He gets pulled out of position quite a bit. But there's no doubting that he's the best option we have by far. And <clears throat> when Lamarchand got subbed on, Russ, we had four center backs in our back four. I think that was a really big part of why we conceded three goals. You know, Adoy, I think his best, best position is not right back. I think it's center back. And LaMarchand, it was clear he was just nowhere near it on Saturday. I think we knew he was the weak. He was weak in the Premier League. He's weak in the championship. That's yep. why he's not really had a sniff all season. Very worrying at the back. Uh, and it really set the tone. It was shocking. It was basically a minute and a half in the match. Brian's down, gets subbed a couple minutes later. It took the stuffing out of the start. We were shocked. And then we can see it a couple minutes later. It was really, as Gentleman Jim said, the worst possible start you could think of. Okay. Very good there, my friend. All right. Let's now go through some key moments because, um, you know, again, it's really it really starts off pretty early on. Like like we talked about, you actually had had a save early on from Marcus Bettinelli on Grisecki, and then we talk about well Will Marchand coming on for Brian, and um, then in the ninth minute again, the goal from Hull City. I mean, I think this is really just showed how poor form were because, again, they just took advantage of uh, their situation. They only had um, a minimal amount of shots on target. So let's talk about the um, the goal here from uh, from Hull City that gave them the lead. Again, breakdown of defense. And I think the main culprit here for me is going to be Maxime Lamarchand. When, when that ball gets volleyed in, there's a great picture on Twitter of him just looking absolutely at the sky when the ball is already being hit below him he very poor positional awareness very poor react reaction time to block that shot and it wasn't the best of strikes but i think ben really wasn't unsighted by the fact that um that lamarchan was in his way close range volley not not much you can do about that from the keeper standpoint but yeah very disappointing we looked like we were still sleeping honestly and, that, and that's the frustrating part at home against a team you should beat you need to start on the front foot, and we just did the complete opposite of that. Okay. All right. Excellent there, Max. All right. So after that, we have, like I said, after the goal, then you have um, an opportunity once again from Hull City in the 26th minute. Thankfully, Tim Ream blocked an, an opportunity there. 
And then in the 27th minute, you have a cross by Reed that's saved by the goalkeeper. In the 32nd minute, you have a shot by Mitro. And then let's go all the way to the end of the first half because I think this is a key point. You have an opportunity here. If 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 this goes in, Max, maybe the match is a little bit different. We're talking about the header from Mitro and stoppage time. Your thoughts? Yeah, and you know, from the angle that we had, it looked like it was in. A perfect ball that would just bounce right off the ground and nestle in the top corner. But it was a big turning point. If you get a goal there, it's 1-1 into the half. Totally different story. Momentum's totally changed. And, you know, the funny thing is, it's so rare in the season that we actually have good set-piece delivery. So many of our quarters, and we saw from Knockart and Brian and a bunch of others hit the first man or either way over hit. So it was a treat to actually have a corner delivered properly. Mitro had a free header, Russ. He honestly probably should put that in the back of the net. It's two matches in a row. He's missed really clear-cut opportunities from headers, you know, against Burrow and in the corner against Hull. And we go down 1-0. And we, we really started well. But imagine how different the match would be if we go in honors even and suddenly we're attacking the hammy end with just one goal to win it. I think it's a different story. Okay. All right. Excellent there, my friend. All right. Let's now transition to the second half, okay? And what were your thoughts about the substitution to begin the second half? Knockhart coming on for Reed. Did you think that was a good move? I thought I thought it was. You know, I think Reed, Declan River Reed, I really want him to succeed, you know, in, in a Fulham shirt. But he's shown fits. But, again, his end product, Ross, is so lacking. And, and yep. it's, it's a real worry for me. And you could say the exact same thing about Knockhart in a similar sense. But I think he offers a much better dribbling sense. So I was happy to see Knockhart on there. But Reed, he always seems to have a lot of energy. He makes intelligent runs. I think he puts in delivery that are actually quite dangerous. But when it falls to him to actually have a shot, he's still not you know, off the mark for home yet. Hasn't scored a goal all season. And my patience has just become a little bit thin huh. because we know he's a quality player. Sure. He's proven it in the Premier League for Cardiff and in the championship for Bristol City. But we have not seen the best out of him. I don't know if that's where he's being played. Maybe he wants to be played more centrally, kind of off Mitro. But again, it's not yet happened for him. And to be taken off at halftime, Yep. That's that's a that's a major that's a major decision. You know, that's that's never good for a player to do that. But I think Parker was trying to send a message that listen, we have Knockhart here, another proven Premier League player. Let's see what we can do. Okay. Very good there. Max, okay. Let's now move on and let's now talk about the second goal from Hall City. And let's just say that this was against the run of play. I thought Fulham were starting to make some headway. But again, full credit to Hull City because um, they took advantage of their opportunities. They knew how to play against us, and when they could get a great counterattacking opportunity, they took advantage of it. And this was a goal from Bowen that makes it 2-0. Honestly, at this point, the match is over in, in my mind. I'm shocked by this. I was upset by this goal, and um, I want to get your thoughts on it. It was, you're right, complete soccer punch against the run of play. You knew it was coming, though. That, that's the thing. You could sense it was that type of match. We'd step it up, but our defense would let us down. And, you know, I've pictured this so many times, you know, the away striker running in front of the putt in the end, the, the away fans screaming, celebrating, and our defense just in tatters. It, it's a scene you hate to happen, but, you know, in that right. kind of negative, pessimistic, Fulham mindset, you, are, you always know it's coming in a way. Sure. And it was so predictable. Alfie Mawson. I'm going to say it. What a fraud he's been, honestly. Ever since we signed him, we've not seen anything near the level we've expected. 
this is a player who, when he went down with Swansea, was considered, you know, a lock to stay in the Premier League, one of the brightest young young defenders in England. He was an England under-21 international. After the injury, we bought, we bought him injured, and he's never really shown us a consistent spell of matches since. And the fact that he keeps backing off bow and air, that, that's criminal. That is disgusting, terrible defending. And he has to realize, once he gets well into this penalty area, you know, huh, maybe I should, I should actually step to this player. Maybe I should put some pressure on him. You know, a really dangerous striker. But no, he gave him all the time in the world and just a couple of simple stepovers put Mawson out of the match. And it's a simple finish pass. It's a good finish, to be fair. But, you know, once Betts is there, it's likely arguing the goal with a player like Bowen. Really bad defending. Okay. But, you know, that wasn't, that was what, the 50, <coughs> the 55th minute. Yes. Roundabout. There was time to come back, but you never sensed Fulham could come back. No, I just didn't feel it, Max. And this goes to how Halsa played against Fulham. I never felt that Fulham got control of this match, you know, where, where they actually hurt Hull City. They seemed comfortable. The style play just didn't work. Now, you had the change. Let's talk about this now. He brings on Abubakar Kamar and t- takes off a doy, and we have a change. And I understand it at, at this point. You're, you're really trying to change things up. And uh, it's reactive, but you're trying to change. Here's my issue. I'm happy that he made the change. It just didn't work, Max. It didn't make any difference. It didn't, but I think it was the right idea, you know. Kamara hasn't been on the pitch in weeks, and he is the kind of player who can come on and change the face of a match with his direct running, his, his intelligent runs, his, his great drilling skills. Yep. He's, he's a player who can change it around. We saw it against Nottingham Forest, remember, yep. when he came on and assisted Mitro's goal, and we almost fought back to get a draw. So it was a good idea, but again, you're right. We had so many attacking players in the pitch at one point towards the end, and none of them could do anything. That, that was what most worried me. There were a lot of weapons on the field, a lot of players who can make something happen, and nothing seemed to be clicking. There was no coherent plan. That was one of the most worrying things because it was like, where are they actually playing? When we had all those players thrown on in attack, it was very unclear what position, what role they, they had to do. They almost didn't even know. Um, but I, I liked the, the idea behind it. But your yep. substitutions were not did not make a major impact. Didn't really change the face of the game, honestly. Okay, and I don't think they did either. All right. Well, we do have to talk about the third goal. This was a joke. I said this on full time. <laughs> it was a joke. I, I I have never seen a player fall over, and I'm sure it's happened before, and score a goal, Max. And that's what happened here to make it three 0 This again was the cherry on the Sunday. If you're a Hull City fan. And you know me, I cannot stand that side. I can't stand them. To see those fans celebrating made me sick to my stomach. And this goal was a joke, Max, to make a 3-0. Your thoughts? It was. And again, it was so easy how, you know, Bowen got through to one-on-one with Bettinelli. And, you know, one little silver lining. I think Betts made a really great save here. And Bowen should have scored. Betts stood his ground. Uh, unfortunately, the rebound goes right to Eves. The Andy Carroll wannabe. And, and he falls over. over. And it was a joke. And and the frustrating thing for me was as well, I, I probably might have been different on the pitch, but it seemed like seemed like Mawson might have made a bigger effort for it. He just watched it dribble in the back of the net. Yeah. And it's little things like that. You know, the match was already lost at that point. It wasn't match-defining, right? That wasn't going to change the game. No. But it showed to me a lack of desire, a lack of professionalism. It was really exemplary of the entire back foot and the entire team on Saturday. They, they didn't want it, Russ. And it's just a cliche, but 
There's no reason we shouldn't have won that match. There's no reason. And no one on that pitch showed any desire, any impetus, as you mentioned it, uh, earlier. There was no drive. There was no right. determination to get back in this game. A lot of possession, not much to show for it. And when we were put under pressure, we wilted so easily. Okay. Very good there, my friend. All right. Okay, so that's how the match ends 3-0. And really, this was such a terrible loss and uh, has left this very bad feeling in all of our mouths. But as you just said, we're still in the mix. So there is time. I'm just concerned about Scott Parker and his uh, willingness to try to change things because he has a style, but he's just not getting the most out of these players. It's on the players, but it's also on Parker. I want to give him a chance. I don't want him sacked. I, I'm, I'm against that kind of talk. But I'm a little weary of his attitude in regards to this team and his style of play. This is it. This is how we play. Even Savisa had to change within his style how they play. Well, maybe Scott Parker needs to think of how to negotiate his system with his players and get the most out of them. Because maybe he doesn't have the players to, as you said, Max, play the way he wants them to play. So what do you do? Maybe you have to fit a style that fits them for this season and or or change a little bit of what you do. And I'm concerned that he is not willing to do that. So we're, we're going to have to see how this all plays out. Like I said, he's a new manager. Maybe he will learn and maybe he will adapt. I want him to adapt. All right. So, Max, let's look at the full-time stats. They're kind of disgusting, as you can imagine, so I'm going to go through it. And I did this on, on full-time, so so let's look at them. Let's talk about the road to nowhere, the possession. That's what I'm going to call it right now because that's what it feels like to me. 75% for Fulham, 25% for Hull City. Total shots, 10 to 8 in favor of Hull City. This is the this is the one that stands out for me. Shots on target, my friend. One for Fulham, five. For Hull City. Now, you mentioned the crosses. That's very interesting. 40. 40 crosses to eight for Hull City. So that stands out as well. Let's now look at passing accuracy. 87%. That's excellent. But again, what are you doing with your passing accuracy? What are you doing with your passes? And Hull City were only at 63%, but it didn't matter because they took advantage of their possession when they had it. And then... Uh, Files were 14 for Hull City and 8 for Fulham. Okay. I've already said what stands out to me from the full-time stats. How about you? Yeah, it's great because this is a perfect way to distill this match. We have triple the amount of possession. They have three goals to our none. Yep. We have five times as many crosses as they do. They have five times as many shots on target as we do. Remarkable. That's all you have to say about the match. Yep. Those couple of statistics... Tells the entire story. No end product. A, a lot of hoping. A lot of balls in the box. A lot of needless passes. At the end of the day, you lose 3 0. You only have one shot on target. That is not good enough. That's disgraceful, as you said. Absolutely. It totally is there, my friend. All right. Would you give anyone a man of the match? <laughs> I'd give it honestly to uh, the whole city manager because that's a great, <laughs> great game plan. Really, I, no one from Fulham stood out to me. I don't think anyone, yeah, no one, absolutely no one. But you know, Hull, credit to them. Yep. You know, we we got we we got mauled by the Tigers, you know, as as their annoying fans would say. But it's yep. so true because they knew how we'd play. 
they knew how they'd play and, and they had an identity and one that we really lacked. So I'm, I'm almost ad- admirable of their effort because they didn't, they didn't play pretty, but they played effectively. And sometimes, yeah. you know, we're so used to possession at Fulham. There is something to be said for counterattacking football. There is a certain beauty to it that you yeah. can go out against all the odds, soak up pressure, and then just be really clinical. Now, part of me wants us just to be as clinical as other sides are against us. I know it's unrealistic, but for them to only have five, they only have five shots on target. They scored three goals. That's a right. great ratio, and it must be really satisfying just to have kind of a smash and grab under your belt. Yeah, I hear you, and I'm glad that you gave them credit. It pains me to give them credit, but as I said on full-time, when I read on, I think it was Friday, the comments from one of the uh, assistant coaches, and they had a game plan, and I could just tell that they were going to stick by this game plan, that they had a good feeling about how they were going to play, that they were, they were coming to win. And they were going to take it to full, basically, I'm paraphrasing. And it worked. So um, they deserve congratulations. Now it's up to the players and Scott Parker to figure out where do we go from here? What do we learn from this 3-0 defeat? Can we learn? Can we adapt? That's what I want to see in this next match. We're we just going to see more of the same? Are we just going to be one of these teams? There's a team in the United States in the NFL called the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their mantra is do what we do. And that works to a point, and then when they get up against teams that game plan against them a little bit and change things up, they end up having a hard time dealing with it. And I see Fulham in a similar way. We do what we do. Sometimes you need to change what you do. So I'm hoping Scott Parker will look at himself, look at his team, and say how do we change? You can still have your style, Scott. Change within it. Use your players. Get the most out of your players because you have some talented players. They're not playing to their ability. That's on them. But your job is also to get the most out of your players. You're not doing that. So it's a team. You win, you lose, and you draw as a team. The players are responsible. The coaching staff's responsible. Scott Parker, you're responsible too. Take some responsibility for this mess. I haven't heard it yet. And I'm, as you can hear, I'm a little bit upset that I've not heard that from you. You seem like a, a great individual, a great man. Well, I'm asking you to look within yourself and critique yourself and say, hey, maybe I need to change things up a little bit. All right. Max, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in a bad spot now in terms of mentality. But again, as I said, it's a weak league this year. There's no front runner. It's a miracle for us. I mean, we're so thankful because what if there's a team like Wolves when we were last in the championship that ran away with it? Luckily, there's no team like that this year. There's no clear favorite. There are a bunch of contenders. We're among them, but no one's ran away with it yet. So you know, even though we've had such a tumultuous first couple months of the season, it, it feels like there's so many twists and turns and no one's really happy. We're still in amongst the fight. And that's more than we could say for the past couple of seasons when we were in the second division. So right. despite all this, all it takes is a run of fixtures. That's why I love the championship. That's why we all love the championship. Right. Three wins on the bounce, and suddenly you're up five places or something. It's so tight this year. But then again, I think there are probably around 10 teams separated by three points, three or four points right now. So a couple of losses, by the same token, we're down 14-15. So let's see what this team can do. We'll be playing a lot better sides in the next couple of weeks. I said that last show. We're going to okay. find out what the true identity of this side is, and it will be fascinating to see. Will we step up? Recent results say no, but 
I'm so confident this team can pull something out. And maybe by the festive period, we might be in that playoff spot or maybe even top two. Okay, excellent. All right, great stuff there, Max. Thank you for doing this with me. Unfortunately, Giannis Janais could not join us tonight. I, he was hoping to join us, but he was not able to join us. Hopefully, he will be back for our next post-match show. But let's wrap this up. From my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.